This is Three Valleys Radio. And a very warm welcome to The Racing Show. We shall have all our usual guests on the show tonight. And hopefully we better give you a few tips as well. But we'll leave all the tip in to our man Colin Brown and Dave Wilson. Simon Holt will be here to help us with the Ebor meeting at York. And we reminisce with Gary Wiltshire. So sit back, relax, have a cup of tea and... Well, good evening and welcome to The Racing Show here on Three Valleys Radio. My name's A.D. Hopper and I'm here to help you through the maze of recordings that we've got for you today. So we're going to start, as we always do, with all the news from the racing media with Mike Patton. Hello and a very warm welcome along to this week's edition of the Racing News. With all the news that is the news from the racing media, which includes Racing TV, the Racing Post and the Sporting Life. I'm Mike Patton and here's this week's first story. Stradivarius will miss his massively anticipated return to action at York on Friday. He was officially declared a non-runner in the Weatherby's Hamilton Lonsdale Cup at 5.56am. His joint trainer, John Gosden, said, We did a routine check at 5am and found he had heat in his foot. We didn't mess about and spoke to the owner and took him out sharpish before the box left at 5.30am. It's unfortunate, but he's never missed a dance in his life. The eight-year-old is unbeaten at York and would have been bidding for his seventh course victory in the Group 2 test, which he has won three times in the past. He had won the Yorkshire Cup here in May at the start of what was expected to be his final season. He then finished third behind Kiprios when bidding a fourth Gold Cup at Ascot, where a disagreement over tactics caused long-time rider Frankie de Toria to lose the mount. He again finished a close second to the same rival in the Goodwood Cup, which had originally been announced as likely to be his final race. That earned him a chance to race again at York, where the course had urged racegoers to dress in owner Bjorn Nelson's black and yellow colours to welcome his return. The Lonsdale Cup may be weakened further later, as last year's Goodwood Cup winner Trushan is not certain to take his chance. King stressed on Friday morning that Stradivarius's withdrawal would have no impact on whether or not Trushan would take his chance in the Lonsdale Cup. The trainer is worried about the quickness of the ground at York and said, It's unfortunate they had no rain, but we are going to make decisions after the first race today. We'll just see what happens. The going at York on Friday morning was good, good to firm in places. But what could be next for Stradivarius? Here's our next story. Stradivarius has an entry in the British Champions Long Distance Cup on October 15th, a race in which he finished third last year. Entries are not out yet for the Doncaster Cup on September 9th, which he won in 2019 and 2021. He also contested the Group 1 Prix de Cadran last year, in which he was second to Truchan. 
While the next step for Stradivarius is unclear, it has not been ruled out that the eight-year-old could continue to race on this season and potentially next year. Watch this space, Nielsen said in a recent interview. It's a possibility, as long as he shows he wants to do it. Some horses lose confidence when they are beaten, but I honestly think he is like a delusional, thick-skinned human being who always thinks he is unlucky when he is beaten. I know we talked about stopping in the summer, but it's not like he has lost a few steps. Why would we stop him at this point? And next, here on the Racing News. If you'd been looking at the Lonsdale Cup overnight, you'd have gone to bed wondering whether Trushan would run. So to get up and find out Stradivarius is out is a bit of a shock to the system. Alan King says he wants it no quicker than good or good to soft. And while you can argue that's exactly what it was on day one, it was much quicker yesterday and the course has reported no measurable rain. The temptation to run now Stradivarius is out will be strong. But there is unlikely to be much good in the surface, let alone good to soft by race time, and that makes him vulnerable. With the likes of Quickthorn and Tash Khan also much preferring plenty of ease, the obvious one to benefit is Coltrane, who ran away with the Melrose here two years ago and has finally developed into the cup horse that performance threatened. He has just over three lengths to find on Trushan from the Goodwood Cup, in which they were third and fourth, but on what's likely to prove very fast ground, he makes some appeal and he'd be a worthy short-priced favourite if the surface is deemed unfit for the new market leader. Don't be surprised if that turns out to be the case. And next here on the Racing News. Frankie de Tori has picked up the plum spare ride on last year's Prix de l'Arc de Triomphe winner Torquator Tassu in the Grosse Place von Baden at Baden-Baden next month. De Tori will partner the Marcel Weiss-trained five-year-old, who finished second in the King George at Ascot last month, on his final start before his art defence, having won the Longchamp showpiece as the 72-to-1 outsider last year. De Tori said on Thursday, I got the call-up two days ago. I don't know what the riding arrangements are with René Pechilek, Torquator Tasso's regular jockey, but I'll ride Torquator Tasso at Baden-Baden. I'm looking forward to it. Julia Romish, assistant trainer to Vice, added, Frankie de Tori will ride Torquator Tasso at Baden-Baden. His regular rider, René Pechilek, is retained to ride Mendocino in the race, and the owner is insistent he honours his contract. While Petulek services are required elsewhere on Grosse Price von Baden Day on September the 4th, it was not clear if he would be back on board for the Ark on October the 2nd. Tokator Tasso has been ridden by Petulek on his last seven starts, including to victory in the Grosse Price von Baden last year. He is a general 7 to 1 second favourite for the Prix de l'Arc de Triomphe behind the Japanese trained 5 to 1 market leader title holder with Yorkshire Oaks heroine Alpinista and King George winner Pile Driver also among the leading contenders. I really don't know what the riding arrangements are for the Ark, de Tori said. Dittori has already ridden at the top level in Germany this season and was narrowly denied in third on So Moonstruck in the German derby at Hamburg last month. And next, here on the Racing News. 
Baid has been handed three possible routes to retirement, with trainer William Haggas on Thursday making clear for the first time that the Qatar Prix de l'Arc de Triomphe will be considered for the exceptional Judmonti international hero. Having proved unbeatable over a mile, the world's highest-rated thoroughbred rose to an astonishing new level on his first attempt at a mile and a quarter crushing Mishrif by six and a half lengths to earn a racing post rating of 138, one that has been topped on turf only by Frankel. He will also be given an official rating of 135, which is up from 128 by the BHA, a figured bettered only by Frankel of 140, and Sire See the Stars of 136, since the world's best race horse rankings were introduced in 2004. When speaking in the winner's enclosure, Haggis and owner Sheikahisa both pointed Maid towards a farewell outing in the Kipco Champion Stakes on October the 15th. Now, however, the arc for which he would need to be supplemented and Leopardstown Royal Bahrain Irish Champion Stakes have been added to the melting pot. With Haggis stressing, the owner would ultimately determine an autumn programme for Shadwell's future stallion. Haggis told the Racing Post, Everything is possible at the moment, even the Ark. I have to talk to Sheikh Hahisa, but we're going to enjoy the moment and don't need to make any decisions yet. There are three options. It's either the Champion Stakes only, the Irish Champion and then the Champion Stakes, or the Ark de Triomphe. If Sheikh Hahisa wants him to have two races, the middle option would be the one. If Sheikh Hahisa is happy to go to the champions only, then that would be the route. If she would like to go to the Ark, then that would be the one, and the rest would not be in the equation. It's just a case of how much I let him off. I would let him off a bit if we were going straight to the champion stakes, but if we are going to elsewhere, then I don't need to let him off too much. Asked if he would be confident about Baid being fully effective over a mile and a half in the arc, for which Paddy Power quote him at five to four with a run, Haggis said, We had quite a lot of people saying we shouldn't even be going over a mile and a quarter. They didn't see why we would do that when he was already so good over a mile. He actually improved for the extra distance, and I didn't see anything at York that suggested a mile and a half would not be within his reach. What the Judmonte International did was confirm what we had always thought about him. He was imperious. That pleased me because I'm very keen to get him the recognition he deserves. I think he is exceptional. Sheikh Ahiza spoke at York of wanting Baid to have one final race at Ascot, and racing manager Angus Gold had repeated that on Thursday, although he did so prior to Haggis's latest comments. Gold said... Personally, I would very much doubt the Irish champion is a possibility. He is entered in the race, but when I spoke to Sheikh Hahisa yesterday about the possibility of the Ark, she just said she wanted to stick with William's original plan, which was the champion stakes at Ascot. We'll give it time, let the dust settle, and there's nice conversations to be had. But at the moment, I don't see the Irish champion coming into the equation. And at the moment, there is no temptation for the Ark, unless Sheikh Ahisa and the family change their mind. Haggis also praised the efforts of his team, 
described Cowley's international ride as outstanding and expressed pleasure about moving to the top of the British Trainers' Championship. He said, We have never been there before, apart from when we won the Lincoln and were leading the championship for about a week. To get to the top of the table is obviously very satisfying and we'll try to stay there. But there are lots of good people with big strings snapping at our heels, so it's going to be a battle. We'll just keep on doing what we are doing. And crikey, when it rains, we have another team of high-quality horses who will be ready to roll. Look at Aldery. He's a smart horse, but you haven't seen him at all since May. He'll hopefully come into his own in the autumn when it rains. This has been this week's edition of the Racing News, with all the news that is the news from the racing media, which includes racing television, the Racing Post and the Sport in Life. I'm Mike Padden. Thanks for listening, and please do join us again next time. Well, that was Mike Padden with all the racing media news, and now we're going to see where we can go racing this weekend. Right, there are seven races over the jumps down at Newton Abbott with a 107 start. There are seven races on the flat at York, of course that being the Ebor meeting, with a 150 start. Seven races on the flat at Chester, a 155 start. Seven races on the flat over at Sandow with a 205 start. Two races on the flat at the Curra with a 310 start. Seven races on the flat at Lingfield on the All Weather with a 440 start. And six races on the flat at Chelmsford with a 451 start. And on Sunday, there are seven races on the flat at Brighton with a 145 start. Seven races on the flat at uh, Yarmouth with a 206 start. Seven races on the flat in Ireland at Nass with a 230 start. And seven races on the flat at Sandown Park with a 342 start. There's also racing in Delmar in the USA, Deauville in France and Woodbine in Canada. Right, well that's where you can go racing this weekend and now we're going to reminisce a little bit. But before I do that, I just wanted to mention something. I don't know if those of you that were watching Goodwood on ITV Racing, um, there was a little feature on there about uh, this little shop that sold Panama hats. And it really opened my eyes to... um, how the other half live, I suppose you could say, because there were three different hats that they were featuring on the show. Um, all the same, basically they all look the same to me anyway, but I'm just a novice when it comes to hat designs, but they all look the same. And I think the first one was about £29, which I suppose didn't sound too unreasonable. The next one up was about £150, which did sound a little bit over the top to me. And the third one was I think it was £1,600 and all these hats look the same and I thought well how the other half live eh but I tell you what my next guest on here he definitely doesn't wear a Panama hat like this and if he did I bet it would be the £29 one but uh, we had an interview a while ago with a gentleman who was shall we say a casualty of Frankie de Torre's wonderful seven races on Champions Day. And his name, of course, is Gary Wiltshire. And uh, this is Gary's version of how things sort of turned out on that day.
the story is there waiting to be told. So we, we're going to have to talk about Frankie and uh, the the uh, Champions Day, which caused a lot of problems for you, I presume. Um, you know, just to start off on the, the, the first race, uh, when you go into a, a situation such as that, I mean, obviously Frankie is very popular and, you know, all the housewives and all the rest of it, they get on him, I've no doubt. But, um, you know, when you, when you see sort of, was it six or seven? Seven, wasn't it? Magnificent seven, yeah. yeah. But I'll start off, AD, I'll, I'll start off with what happened that day. How there's in life, you don't know what's around the corner. No. And we was on our way to Worcester, and right. I lived at Milton Keynes, that uh, little Allwood, which is a little village just outside Milton Keynes. And we were driving to Worcester, and there was a big traffic delay at Banbury. Yeah. And when we come on the M40, and it was like it was snowed up for about six or seven miles and I thought well I'm going to miss the first race at Worcester we won't get there and I run my clerk up Pete Outen who lives in Swindon at the time and I said Pete I'm never going to get there mate and I said I'll tell you what we'll do let's go to Ascot we'll switch and we'll go to Ascot it looks a real hard card I said you know we're only at the bottom of the rails we might go nick a few quid there like win a monkey or something, which mm. in them days, £500 was a lot of money. Yeah. And he said, OK, then I'll turn round. I turned round. Instead of going towards Worcester, I turned the, instead of going north on the M40 at Banbury, I went left, finished up at Ascot, and you know what happened there. It was absolutely unbelievable. But it was a magnificent seven. But on the first five races, I wasn't doing any harm, you know. Mm. I, I mm. thought, yeah, and then when Frankie rode the first five winners, I got caught up in the... Uh, what was happening the yeah. atmosphere and uh, I only went there you know I was a very small bookie well, I say small bookie I was the biggest bookie in the country I would have thought uh, over 30 stone at them days but <laughs> I had lost weight since then but uh, I only went there to win a few quid and I got absolutely carried away and I think going into the sixth race when he rode the first five winners frankly I said to my clerk I said we've got a chance here like I smelt, you know, I've always been good with figures and everything. Yeah. I knew the last one was 20 to 1, Fujiyama Crest, you know. Yeah. And I said, if he wins the sixth race, we've got a chance here, Pete. I'm going to have a go. And I did have a go, you know. He won the sixth race, and I don't think we was a lot behind. I think I might have been five or six hundred pounds behind. That was all, because I only yeah. laid the sixth one night of small money. Yeah. And then on the seventh one, it opened up at four to one. And if anybody read my book, Winning It Back, it's got all the me accounts from Coles that day, how much I lost to them on that race. And I think I lost 480,000 at Coles. And the first bet I laid was 20 grand at four to one. Well, mm. if I could lay four to one or 20 to one chance, that would suit me and would suit anyone who had any idea of, you know, of figures. Yeah. And then they took three to one. Then they took two and a half to one. Then they took two to one because the big boys, the big firms, the big betting shops wanted to shorten the price up for everyone who backed it in their shops. So really and truthfully, they was lessening their liabilities. And I thought, right, I'm going to have a go here. And the last bet I laid, I think, was 40 grand at nine or four, and I stood it for 1.4 million in one race. Now, you know, that's a big, 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 you could imagine. Any other, I don't think there's many other on-course bookmakers who's ever done that. But uh, I did it. I thought it was money for nothing. You know, I've always loved the dinner. Yeah. And I thought I was getting free dinners for life here. <laughs> and I had no, I had no intonation the horse could win because I was a race horse owner at the time as well. And if any, David Winter used to try my horses and Norman McCauley. And we had, if we had a horse who was a bit iffy, we always used to put blinkers on it. And yeah. I was always, uh, any horse that had blinkers, I wanted a layer. 
And this also looked down, it had blinkers as well, Fujiyama Quest. It couldn't win, it was a 20 to 1 chance. And I was laying 2 to 1 at the end of 20 to 1 chance. I just took it on. Yeah. The only good part of my, the only good part of the story is good job they went off on time. Because if they'd have went off five minutes later, that 1.4 million would have been 2.8 million. And I think then we all would have been in big, big trouble. But uh, it won. I don't know how it led all the way. Frankie, best day for racing, I think. I know I've done my money, but it's done me it's done me no armour to Wadey because, you know, I've got a job with BBC. I was a BBC betting expert at Royal Ascot and Grand National everywhere with John Parrott on the TV. Then I went to Sky Sports and I was a betting presenter there. And, you know, and, and all my life, and even when I go racing now, when I go away on holiday, you'll always get someone when I'm walking along the parade, hi, hi, where's Frankie? Do you want a pizza? <laughs> you know, and that's what you get. But my life for the past 25 years, there's going to be a film. They want to do a film of it. With Ray Winston was going to play the part of me. Yeah. And, uh, and even now, like 25 years on, you know, ITV want to do something this year we're having a big night with Frankie we was going to have one in Frome last year funny enough up your way yeah yeah uh, Paul, Paul Starr was going to uh, was going to get it all fixed up the darts man and we, we, it, was, it was a sellout and then unfortunately Covid's come along yeah. so we had to cancel that a night with Frankie a night with Gal and Frankie Gal being me a London n- nickname for people called Gary yeah and uh, you know but it's done me no harm idea you know I love the game I love all racing my family love all racing now and really and truthfully people talk about that Frankie de Tory day and I'm going to say it made me yeah. and not many people would say that but you know I still go along in life with a smile and that's what the game's all about you know I'm getting old now but I still like to out the races yeah. uh, funny enough as you're recording this I'll be on the way to market raising later on this evening racing yeah. I was at Nottingham yesterday and I'll be at Chelmsford tomorrow so it's, it's free little rides Nottingham market raising in Chelmsford they're the three days what's coming up but I love the game like you love the game you love horse yeah. racing yeah. you know and a lot of your listeners would love horse racing where, where you're based at and it's just great it's a great way of life you know and, and I just think that you know people can get out don't forget we've had the situation with Covid we've all been locked in for a long long time haven't we Yeah. and now we're yeah. all coming out of it and you know please God we've all got our health and that's what the game's all about well that was Gary Wiltshire uh, with his recollections of Champions Day uh, and the day that Frankie Dittori had seven winners on the trot. But there's a little bit more of the story to come and we shall feature that in next week's show. So make sure you join us to hear that. Wow, wow, did you watch it? Bide won the Judmont International and what a performance Jim Crowley gave the horse. It was fantastic. And uh, if you didn't, actually managed to get in front of a TV to watch it, we have at least got, courtesy of Racing TV, the commentary of the race and the two interviews afterwards. So have a listen. They are off and racing and Tabasco just dwelt as the stalls opened for the 2022 Jumont International and gave away three or four lengths to his rivals. Now the pace is coming from high definition and he's sent into an early advantage by Ryan Moore. Mishriff, who broke much better today, it was a good sign, racing in second place, three lengths down on the leader. He in turn is about two and a half to three lengths clear of Native Trail and Dubai Honour on the inside. Baid at this stage is in fifth place. The only horse behind him is Sabaska, 
who's playing catch-up as the runners head down the far side of the Naysmark. Looks to be a, a pretty good gallop being set here by Ryan Moore as they go past the seven furlong marker on the far side. High definition up then by about four lengths now. Last year's brilliant winner, Mishriff, racing in second place. Two and a half lengths away then to Native Trail, the three-year-old in third, followed by Dubai Honor and his stable companion, Baid, is just on his flanks on the outside. Baid defending this unbeaten record and uh, stepping up to ten and a half furlongs today. He's got one behind him. That'll be Sebuska, who won the York Stakes here last time. So they're about to turn in to the home straight in the 2022 Jumont International, and Ryan is pressing on here on high definition. Trying to just gain more momentum here on that bend. Leads by about six lengths there. Mishriff in second for James Doyle. Then in third on the inside, Dubai on a making ground, native trail. And now between horses, Baid is picking up on the bridle under Jim Crowley. As the runners head down now to the final two and a half furlongs, unknown territory from here on in for Baid as he eases into contention. Miff Schriff has struck the front. Mishriff going on here as they race down towards the final furlong and a half. Jim Crowley's hardly moving on Baid. Now he's asking to pick up this leader, and the response is instantaneous. And Baid gallops past Mishriff and goes on inside the final furlong. That was really impressive. And Jim Crowley's looking round here, and this is going to be brilliant. There's no question he loves the distance, and it's a perfect 10 for Baid in the jumpline. Wow, he's won by six lengths. Mishriff in second, Sabaska close again with. Dubai Honor for third, followed home by Native Trail and High Definition. Well, courtesy of Racing TV, that was the commentary of the Judmont International. And now we're going to hear from Jim Crowley, the jockey. Baid has just extended his record to the perfect 10, stepping up in trip for the International. Jim Crowley was the man on board. Many congratulations. Try to put that into some kind of words. It's hard. I mean, that was an unbelievable performance. Um, he had his knockers sort of here saying he wasn't as good as what people say he is, but I knew, I've always known he was an unbelievably talented horse. I've ridden some nice ones, but he was just completely on another level to everything I've ever sat on before. Um, I wasn't concerned about the trip. I wasn't concerned about the ground. I wasn't really concerned about anything, really, and I wasn't nervous. You know, maybe you? I should be, but no. I'm not, because I just know how good he is. You know, I know if I did get in a bit of trouble, he'd get me out. That's total belief, isn't it? Yeah, you could say so. Um, I think somebody's watching down on us. He's, you know, because he's just a very special horse. And I mean that in every word because, you know, nothing seems to faze him. A bomb could go off. He wouldn't even twitch an ear. He's just literally bomb-proof. And, uh, you know, the second's a very, very good horse. And, you know, probably the third horse, you know. Unbelievable. Talk me through the race, because it was an interesting race to watch. What, what, what was going through your mind as it started to develop? Well, I knew we would go a solid gallop, um, and I wanted to follow Mishriff. I was aware that Mishriff could break slowly and then end up tracking me and then get into a battle with me. But luckily, Mishriff flew the gates. And, um, I thought maybe going down the back straight, I was probably two or three lengths off him rather than I would have liked. But I was always going well, and I knew we were going a solid gallop. And, like I said, he, he came there at the two phone pole, and my feet was on the dashboard, and it was race over in a few strides. It's just such an extraordinary thing to watch a horse doing that, isn't it? And that, that to be on him, I mean, it just must be another level. It's it's actually sends the hairs up the back of your neck. Yeah. It really does. I mean, 
the day Batash broke the record here on Dejo, I thought that was, doesn't get any better than that, but that was just something else in my opinion. All Sheikh Hamdan's work as well, I mean everything that he's put into these generations, this dynasty of horses. I mean it's testament to what he strived for all his life, breeding beautiful horses and I mean, me for one, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for him. You know, he, he, he got me as his jockey and I'm so grateful to Sheikh Hissa for keeping me on. And, you know, we're just all very grateful, me personally, to be riding a horse of this calibre. And like I said, it's just fantastic for Sheikh Hissa to have this horse come along after losing Sheikh Hamdam, it's, it's special. Absolutely, you know, her father very close to her heart. And she obviously really understands horses as well. So, you know, she's got that insight that her father had. Oh, definitely. And, um, you know, I mean, remember when Sheikh Hamdam, he would always watch all the horses, he knew all of them. And it's the same with Sheikh Ahir, so she doesn't miss a trick. <laughs> That's great to hear. Now, best horse in the world already going into this, and that now is a, is a career best performance. What, what next? What now for Dubaid? What, what, what does he need to do, if anything? Oh, oh, oh. A and a half, I'm getting it from the crowd. Oh, oh, oh. Well, I'm going to leave it up to connections. I mean, um, I wouldn't be worried wherever he went. That's for sure. If we ask the audience, they're all saying Ark. I'm sure they are, but uh, <laughs> I leave that to William, Shekahissa, Angus, and yeah, where I'll be just pleased to ride him wherever he goes. And have you ever had a reception like that? I mean, you mentioned Batash, who was a super and, and much loved here at yeah. York, but I, I, that's kind of comparable to the reception you got to, to Frankel and see the stars, his dad as well. For sure. It's like the Cheltenham Festival, wasn't it? <laughs> it was fantastic. And people at this track, York, they love their horse racing and they're very knowledgeable up here and they appreciate it. And it's great to get a reception like that. Yeah, and you served them up an absolute treat. Many congratulations, Jim. Well done. Thank you so much. Thank you. And now, owner, Shaker Hisler. One proud owner, Shaker Hissa, has just seen Baid extend his record to a perfect 10 and show his mastery over an extended 10 furlongs. You were quite confident about the distance when we talked at Goodwood. Were you, did that confidence remain coming into today? I can't say that. No, it ran down by today. I was very <laughs> nervous by today. And what, what, we, what was going through your mind as you were thinking ahead to the race? Not much, to be honest. It was a jumble of ideas and things that I didn't know what to expect. Um, he's bred for this, so we were technically, it didn't matter to me if he won it or not, because he's still a very, very fast horse. It doesn't take that away from him. But just seeing him cruise down there, I, it's the right distance for him, obviously. It's electrifying, actually, to watch him like that, isn't it? Yes, yes, for sure, for sure. And so, talk me through the race, your, your emotions as you were watching it. What were you thinking as the race was fanning out? I was having 1,000 ideas at the same time. I don't know what to tell you, but I'm extremely happy. That meant a lot to me and my family, for sure, and everyone around. So it was just amazing, amazing for us to see. And you had, of course, your father with you and just the, the achievement that he has, he has brought through. I mean, this crowd knows Batash very, very well. But that reception that Baid got, you must have loved it. Yes. Well, my father used to wear a badge of his father anyways. Really? By, I don't know, a few years back already, he used to wear a badge of his own father. So I'm just keeping up with tradition. And he loved York. He obviously had Batash here. He's had Dejur even before. Mm. Uh, Naif did well here as well. So it's just amazing for us. It's a lovely tradition. Now, everyone's asking, what will Baid do next? Lots of people would like him to run in the Ark. William Haggis has always mentioned the champion stakes. What would you like him to do? Well, we'll see how he comes out of it, but I think the champion stakes, yeah. I'm going with what William says. You're not tempted by the mile and a half? No, not really. I've seen him do enough 
I think um, he's he's um, he's the, he does he's uh, what's the word for it? I've, I've lost it in my head. He does a few different distances now, and he's proved that he's versatile. That's, That's what I'm word. trying to yes. say. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he's versatile. I'm sorry. It's a long day. <laughs> but my final question is: Do you think that's the best you've ever seen him? I think so. I think so. I haven't seen him in his forty this year until today. I think. I think you're spot on. Uh, Check it's always a pleasure to talk to you. Many congratulations. Thank you very much. Thank, Thank you. you. Of course, now everybody wants to see Baid in the pre after triumph, and uh, but it sounds as though connections are looking at the champion stakes. We should await developments. And our thanks to Racing TV for the use of their commentaries and interviews on this programme. Well, whilst we're talking about Baid, um, it's time to catch up now with uh, another Baid fan in Richard Phillips. And also we're going to hear from Simon Holt from The Sporting Life to see what they thought about the performance and what's going to happen on the Ebor on Saturday. Well, good afternoon, Richard. Nice of you to join us again. Um, York, uh, so far, what have you made of it? Well, it's a fantastic meeting every year. You always get great results because it's such a great course. It's a flat galloping track and not too many uh, excuses, as it were. Uh, yesterday was amazing. Um, Baid winning the Judmont International. I've not seen a performance better than that in my life. And I've been looking at it now for about 50 years. So... Hmm. Bayed was sensational in the in the Judmont. Yeah, uh, he really was so impressive. Um, not many horses finish a race like that in the final furlong, going away from first class horses like that. So no. that was great. And um, undoubtedly, he's one of the best horses we have ever seen. Where do you go now? I mean, it seemed to be. I, I watched it today, and William Haggis was quite. Uh, he, he wouldn't really commit anywhere at all. He was very vague. Whereas yesterday, he was. Uh, oh no, he's going to go to the champion. Yeah. So, so champions day as it were but I, I don't think um, they have to make a decision now obviously uh, Sheikh Harissa who who uh, owns the horse uh, they have the option of going for the Ark as well uh, or possibly Irish champion then followed by um, champions day at Ascot so um, I think they've got you know they don't have to make a decision till then and it's up to the owners really but wherever he goes it'd be great to see him again um, the best chance of seeing him again in Britain will be at Ascot. Um, but, you know, wherever he goes, he's going to be unbeatable. Uh, yes, I think he could win an arc. Um, he wasn't going any slower in a final furlong yesterday. His first time in a mile and a quarter. In some respects, he's bred to get the arc trip. But um, the horse is a brilliant miler. He's obviously brilliant over a mile and a quarter. And I'm sure he'd be brilliant uh, over a mile and a half. But uh, whether they want to do that or whether... Uh, for the horse's sake, uh, stick to a mile and a quarter for the rest of his career is probably what they'll do. Hmm. Okay. And uh, looking forward then to Saturday, um, the Ebor. Yeah, it's always a great race. It's certainly a great race for um, um, bookmakers because it's always a difficult race to pick the winner of. Yeah. But uh, the Irish really do look as though they've been uh, targeting this race. And uh, the ones main in the main horses in the betting at Oh, oh, from from Ireland, um, Earl of Tyrone looks like the favourite at the moment. Uh, Paddy Toomey's horse won its last um, three races and pretty impressively too. And won a listed last time. We've also got uh, Akita Sushi uh, from Joseph O'Brien's yard, 
that's way up in the betting. So it's ever present. That's been backed as well for Jesse Harrington. So um, it looks as though Ireland have a very strong hold over it. I think they've got a right chance. But uh, I also think William Haggis has got a chance with both Candleford, who's very impressive at Ascot, uh, Royal Ascot, and Garcy. He was unlucky at Goodwood. I think Garcy, I think it's ridden by Holly Doyle. That'd be an interesting horse. So um, as ever, it's going to be a very competitive race. Um, the Irish look as though they've mapped their horses out for it, but you've got to be a very good horse to win it. And it's basically, you know, it's worth a half a million quid, so it's well worth trying to win. Yeah, yeah. Anything else uh, on Saturday that's worth looking at? Well, it's a horse called Mighty Ulysses I'm a big fan of. Um, he runs in a one-mile-one, the Strenzel, the first race with Frankie Dettori on board. Uh, he was narrowly beaten at St. James's Palace over a mile at Ascot, the Royal Ascot. So um, he was pretty impressive last time, and I think a mile-and-one's just about his perfect trip. Um, and I think... Um, Frankie Troy should be winning on Mighty Ulysses and they're nine to four shot at this stage. And Solcombe. Solcombe is a horse that was unlucky at Goodwood as well. So um, that's a horse that, uh, again, William Haggis Yard in the Melrose handicap should have a chance as well. I think you and Colin Brown have been talking, haven't they? Because he was talking to me earlier today and he was on about Mighty Ulysses here. Uh, so, uh, yeah, you've obviously been chatting to him. Well, I haven't. I've always tried to avoid Colin, if I can, uh, especially his blouses that he wears, or shirts, <laughs> he calls um, yeah. But, yeah, I saw him the other day, but, uh, yeah, Colin and I probably agree on my Ulysses being a pretty decent horse. Yeah, I think he thinks of himself as the dedicated follower of fashion with some of those shirts he wears, that's for sure. Yeah, um, definitely. Um, it's some people's taste, not everyone's. No, quite. Okay then, Richard, that's great, mate. Well, thank you very much for that for today, and um, we'll catch up with you next week as usual. Okay, super. Thanks very much, Aidan. Thanks, Richard. I'll, I'll speak to you next yeah, no, week. Fine. Cheers for now, mate. Now we're going to catch up with Simon Holt from the Sporting Life to see what he thinks about the remaining days at York. Good morning, Simon. Uh, how are you? Are you having a good York? Yes, I've not been at York this week, Aidan, but certainly enjoyed the racing and the course... We had that star-studded performance by Bayid in the Judmont International. It's just unbelievable, I thought, the way the horse cruised up on the bridle and then just quickened to order away from Mishrif, who'd been so impressive in the race 12 months before. So he's now 10 from 10, 10 out of 10. What yeah. a great horse he is. Absolutely, yeah. It was stunning, wasn't it, the way he went away from... Well, I think that the extra distance made him even more impressive. He's actually quite stoutly bred by see the stars and there would be a very good chance I think that he would stay a mile and a half and there is a little bit of a clamour for him to run in the Prix de l'Art de Triomphe now. Uh, the owner doesn't sound overly keen preferring the champion stakes over the mile and a quarter at Ascot on Champions Day and uh, I suspect that will be his swan song. There is also the Irish champion stakes which he could take in uh, but it just we just have to wait on the decision. But uh, it would be amazing if he ran in the arc, and uh, he would take some beating, I think, because I think he'd have a good chance of staying, providing the ground wasn't too soft. Uh, William Haggis has said in the past that he wouldn't want it really soft. He's won on good to soft, but in Paris, in recent arc weekends, it has been a little bit of a deluge. It's become a little bit of a trend over arc weekend. And uh, I can remember when Enable got beaten a couple of times, and the ground really just went against her. Yeah. So that would be that would be, I suppose. Yeah.
Do you think there are perhaps too many unknown quantities in France that, that, that puts them off a little bit? No, I think overall the standard in France is quite weak. The favourite for the arc at the moment is a Japanese horse called Title Holder. Um, I have seen quite a lot of French racing this season, and I would say there's a horse called Onesto that won the Grand Prix de Paris. I like him a lot. Uh, he won very well at Longchamp on Bastille Day and was unfortunate in the Prix de Jockey Club in that he had a very wide draw and he had absolutely no chance in that race, but he stayed on eye-catchingly behind uh, Badini and I think that he'd have gone very close to beating Badini in the Prix de Jockey Club if he'd had a good draw. So I think Onesto could be the best of the French horses. There's another horse called Al-Hakim that won last weekend and he's pretty useful as well, but um, there's not a lot of strength in depth in France, I don't think. Mm. And uh, we're going to talk about the Ebor now. Um, it's a pretty competitive race, isn't it? Well, for, you know, half a million quid, it's going to be, isn't it? Yeah. And, uh, it, it looks ferociously competitive, and you could just name 15 horses and not pick the winner, you know, out of the, I think there's 24 runners, or 22, 24 runners. Yeah. Um, I've come down on the old boy, Yukon Glen, actually, because I saw him run at Goodwood last time, and there were clear signs that he was returning to form. He was a very unlucky loser at Goodwood, just couldn't get a run, and then flew through at the end. Now, he has run in the Ebor a couple of times before. He was fifth two years ago, and the ground wouldn't have been ideal for him then. It was soft ground. He was fifth behind Vajera Prince. And then last year, he ran in it. And for some reason, he was ridden very positively. And that's really not his style. I think he's much better from being held up. And the horse, that when he struck form during his career, he's tended to follow up quite quickly yeah. and maintain that form uh, for a period. So I think he's just coming back. He's very well handicapped Millions are going on that, then, are they? Well, I think he's got a good chance. He's 12 to 1 or thereabouts. The favourite is the Welsh trade Earl of Tyrone, who's been very progressive over the last few months and beat a decent horse called Raise, Raise Me or Raise You, Raise Me, I think it is, at um, Limerick last time. And he's got a shrewd trainer. He's got Paddy Toomey, who has done very well with the Lapati who was third in the Yorkshire Oaks on Thursday. So I think he's got a tie record. Irish horses have had a good record in recent years. We had Sonny Boy Liston winning last year for Johnny Murta and a few years ago, Mr. Gere, um for Gere Lions. So uh, the Irish horses are usually well-primed for this very valuable race. So any other races tomorrow, um, tomorrow um, Simon, that are worth noting? <laughs> Yeah, I've come up with one other selection on the Sporting Life website, and that is the filly that won at Goodwood, Sondrine. 
and she takes on Kinross and Sacred, who were second and fifth behind her at Goodwood. And the weight for ages has changed slightly with the turn from July to late August. So she's a little bit worse off with Kinross, but I just feel that she travelled so well that day. She was actually in front probably early enough. And I think that she's really running into form and might well be improving and that she could well confirm those placings. Uh, she ran quite well at the Ewar meeting last season, went second in the Lauber stakes. And I just think that she's beginning to blossom and um, can follow up. It looks like seven furlongs is absolutely spot on her best distance. And that's the trip uh, tomorrow. So where are you off to today then, Newbury? I'm in the car as we speak, heading towards Salisbury. All right. Um, going quite early, but I'm going to stop off for lunch and I'm anticipating some holiday traffic, which is such a joy at this time of the year, uh, isn't it? Heading, heading westwards, heading down your way. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I suspect that I'm going to hit traffic uh, and uh, quite a few caravans uh, yeah. <laughs> will be sighted, I'm sure. Well, just be thankful that you haven't got to go through Stonehenge, that's all, because that's the usual bottleneck. Well, it's terrible, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, there's that little roundabout, which is yeah. a real problem, isn't it? And, yeah, yeah. Uh, they, they've got to do something about that, I think, because, as you say, it, it is a regular scene of queues. Yeah, no, uh, yeah, fortunately, fortunately, I can come off a little earlier and go through um, a place called Middle Wallop. That's where I head down to Salisbury yeah. and... Um, find somewhere to have a nice lunch before uh, this evening's meeting. That's the plan, anyway. <laughs> well, you have a good day, Simon, um, and thank hopefully you. you've picked a couple of winners there for us, and um, thank you very much for joining us on the show. OK, AD, all the best. Thanks a lot. Well, there we go. That was Simon Holt from The Sporting Life with his guide to the Ebor. Well, that was Simon Holt from The Sporting Life uh, with his tips for the Ebor tomorrow at York. Well, now, before we catch up with our regular tipsters, Dave Wilson and Colin Brown, we're going to catch up with Rod Millman down at uh, Cullumpton. Hey, well, good morning, Rod. Thanks very much for joining us. Um, you know, obviously a busy day for you. Um, in particular, can we concentrate on, you've got a couple of runners over the weekend, really, because our listeners will be obviously taking yeah, a, a look at them. Um, what have we got? We've got four a day on Saturday at Sandown. What about chances have he got? Well, she's been ill. She had a sinus infection. That's why she hasn't run for a while. Yeah. And she's back. Back. It's the first race back. Okay. Um, she, she was in a very valuable race at York, but we thought that was probably aiming a bit high as she's had a bit of a break. Yeah. But um, I'm not sure where she's drawn yet at uh, at uh, Sandown. But she she was in very good form before she had the sinus infection. And she, we do think she's got a nice filly. And maybe whatever she does this time, she, I think she'll improve again, you know? Yeah, yeah. So either this time or next time is the time to get on it, really. And that's then right. um, yes, right. Safari Dream at, also at Sandan on Sunday. Yeah, well, he, he put up a very good performance to win his last race. Gone at the handicap. Okay, and, and, then, won, um, and then what about Monday? You've got uh, uh, numerous entries. I don't know if they're all going to go or not. So Plato, Bama, Yeah, Lama. Well, we don't got horses there that need rain. That's whether it's subtle. Yeah. Um, um, and we have had rain at Chepstow, so hopefully the ground will still be on the good side. For David Envoy, he loves a bit of cut in the ground. Yeah. So any rain over the next three days would, would be a benefit to him. 
Will he, he still be uh, employing his front-running tactics? Ah, uh, that's the only way only way he goes, really. Yeah, yeah. And uh, what about Sopleto and Bamalama? Are they still going? No. Um, Bam Sopleto runs at Salisbury tomorrow. Yeah. He he's he's a bit of a laundry so if he's on a going day, he'll be hard to beat. Yeah. Um, he would be a far better he'd be a better horse than Hurricane Helen, but Hurricane Helen is in the same race is a bit more reliable. Right. Okay. And then um, you've got three at Southall, uh, Soy Deo, uh, Pride of Horridge. Soy Deo, well, she, she's got multiple entries. Um, she's quite a well-bred filly, so we'll be desperately trying to get a win into her for her pedigree, paddock value. Yeah, yeah. And what, what about Pride of Horridge and Mountain Ash? Any chance? Yeah, they're both good horses. I mean, uh, they're both, both nice horses, which have been placed this year, and no reason why they won't win. Good. In the right race, you know? Yeah, okay. Um, okay. Did you watch uh, Baid yesterday? Yes, very impressive, wasn't he? Mm. Very impressive. Excellent. Yeah. I definitely want a horse like that. <laughs> yes, everyone, everyone would, you know? Yeah, they would. No, he was very, very good, wasn't he? Very yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. Okay, then, uh, Rod, thank you for that, sir. We appreciate it, and we'll catch up with you next week, hopefully. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bye. Okay, cheers Bye. for now, Rod. Bye-bye. Well, that was Rod Millman down at uh, Chepstow with uh, some runners there today. And uh, now it's time to catch up with the two regular tipsters on the show, Dave Wilson and Colin Brown. And we're going to Dave Wilson first. Well, good afternoon, Dave. How are you today? Yeah, very well. Enjoying the York Festival at the moment. And we've got the big uh, Ebor handicap to come. So, uh, yeah, it's been a nice week and the weather's holding up nicely as well. So yeah, it's not too yeah. bad. And wasn't by something special. Yeah, he, uh, he looked very, very good. Yeah. Mind owning a little cone out of him. Yeah, <laughs> I would imagine he's going to be a sensation at stud as well, just like mm. Frankel was. So, yeah, uh, yeah. We'll have to wait so. and see, but I don't think we're going to go for the arc with him. I think we're going to go to Ascot and uh, take that in. And uh, I hope uh, the one that Mark Prescott had run well, Alpinista, is going to go for the arc, and I think she'll run well in that. So yeah, uh, yeah. It'll be, uh, Good time for the English trainers and uh, the big races coming up. So we'll have to wait and see. Mind you, having said that, I thought uh, William Haggis seemed a little bit, you know, undecided. Or you know, he one minute yesterday it was oh no, it was just the Champion Stakes and that was it. Now it was well, maybe it could be this, it could be Ireland, it could be Ascot, and it could be the Ark. So you know, you sort of wondered, well, hang on a minute. But I suppose he's just keeping his options open, isn't he? Uh, yeah, just keep the options open, but I think you'll find he'll go for the champion stakes and then uh, you'll head off into them uh, big green build, field at fields yeah. and uh, the, uh, the stadium that we all think is going to be. So, uh, yeah. yeah, there you go. OK, mate. Well, what have you got for us today, then? York? We're going to go through the York uh, meeting on Saturday and we're going to start with the 150 and the horse that we like in the first race on the card is Sonny Liston. Uh, Kieran Schumacher takes a ride for Charlie Hills. This is owned by Chelsea Thoroughbreds, uh, Thoroughbreds and uh, they're based in a pub, funnily enough, in Chelsea. So uh, oh, yeah. uh, they'll, uh, they'll all enjoy this one running, I think. Uh, he's a three-year-old and he gets a £7 weight for age allowance and he's one of the four three-year-olds in the race. Uh, three others get the same £7 weight allowance in here. Uh, his only win to date was on his debut when he won at Sandown, and he, since then he's come out. He's around fourth uh, Newmarket in the field and stakes, and he ran third in the D Stakes up at Chester. He didn't perform very well in the Derby, 
and then he had a little 55-day break, I think it was, and he come out of Goodwood three weeks ago, and he ran a great race behind a horse that we'd had a nice bet on, Rocket Gianni, and he was staying on very nicely. So, uh, ten to one about Sunny Liston interests me on an each-way bet, so we'll have a look at him for the start of the day, just a small each-way bet on Sunny Liston in the first race. Okay, you don't fancy mighty Ulysses, then? No, I disappointed with him a couple of times. Uh, I'm not sure he's putting uh, the full hundred percent effort in, to be honest. But right, yeah. I think he, he could have won a couple of them races where he's been beaten, and uh, I don't know. But I think Sunny Liston will run a very big race. Okay, Sunny Liston it is then, sir. <laughs> Moving down the cards to the two twenty-five race. Uh, we're going to have a look at Wild Crusade. William Buick and Charlie Appleby, uh, obviously they've had fantastic success this year. Now, this fella's had four runs this year. He's had three wins in the second. Last time out, he, he won very, very easily, beating Warren Point two and a half lengths off of a handicap mark of 93. And they've raised him up to uh, 102 now. He's been given a nine-pound hike. Now, basically, the reason for that is Warren Point's come out and one off of a higher handicap than when Wild Crusade beat him in a very big race at Goodwood. So obviously Wild Crusade absolutely destroyed Warren Point, so it could well justify the £9 raise in the handicap. And there's also an extra furlong and three quarters to go, or two furlongs to go for Wild Crusade, and I think that'll play into his hands as well. He's priced up at the moment, 11 to 2 with Sky Bet, and they're paying five places on the each way terms. So here's a nice each way bet there. So that's Wild Crusade in the 225. Okay. Moving down to the 3 o'clock, and we're going with Art Power. David Allen takes a ride for Tim Easterby. Now, this fella's been off the track since October 21, so it's coming up for a year that he's going to have been off the track bar a month or so, but he goes very well fresh and he's been placed in Group 1 class races on many starts and in Group and, and this is a Group 2, so obviously he can hit frame in Group 1s he goes well fresh he's been dropped into a Group 2 race and uh, I think he's going to have a fantastic chance of hitting the frame if not winning now Bet365 are paying 3 places each way and he's 16 to 1 with them and Sky Bet are paying four places each way, and he's 12 to 1 with them. So I think he's well worth having a little nibble on him at Bet365, 16 to 1, and also having a little bet on him with Sky Bet getting the extra place as well. So that's Art Power in the 3 o'clock. Okay, right you are. Moving on to the 3.35, one we like here is Rodrigo Diaz. Jamie Spencer taking the ride for David Simcock. Now, this horse has got some seriously solid, consistent form. In his 13 races, he's only missed a frame twice. So, it shows how good a horse he is to get in the frame on 11 occasions out of 13. Now, the added fact of Jamie Spencer on his back is Jamie Spencer's the come-from-off-the-place jockey, as he's known at known as he, he does like to sit out the back of the field and come through late so he was part of the winning Shergar Cup team that we had a nice bet on as well uh, Asker, the England uh, boys there so uh, we'll have to see how he goes in this one but as I say like the horse has got consistent form, he's got the right jockey on him, it's a 24 runner race over one mile 
five furlongs and 188 yards. So he's going to have time to come through from off the pace. And uh, Bet365 are paying six places on the race, and they've got him up at 33 to 1. And Sky Bet, who's sponsor of the race, are paying eight places on the race, and they're playing, they've got him up at 22 to 1. And again, I think he's worth having a small each way bet with both the firms and uh, taking the bigger price and the shorter price and getting the extra place race, places on the race there. So that's Rodrigo Diaz in the Sky Ebor, the 335 there. Sounds like he should be more likely to go in Manchester City, really, with a name like that. But, uh... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, there you go. Uh, moving down to the 410 race, one we like here is Tabdeed. Uh, Holly Doyle takes the ride for Archie Watson. Again, this fella hasn't won for since July 2020. But again, he's had 10 races, and out of them, he's been in the frame seven times. So again, another very, very consistent horse. And last time out, he was only beating a short head at Goodwood in the Stewards' Cup by Comanche Falls. So it shows what great form Tab Deeds in at the moment. He's priced up at 10 to 1 with six places on offer with Sky Bet. And I rate him as a nice each way bet there with the form he's in at the moment, where he only just got nailed by Comanche Falls or just failed to get get ahead of Comanche Falls in the big Stewards' Cup race at Goodwood three weeks ago. So Tab Deed in 410. Right, yeah. Now, the nap of the day. Now, you want to get your money out and get on the computer quick because this is one worth having a bet on. The 4.45 uh, York on Saturday, a horse called Treasure Trove. Billy Lee takes the ride for it, and it's Peter Twomey, the trainer from Ireland. Now, he only got beaten a short head in a Class 1 listed race in Ireland last time out. And he's also raced behind a horse called... He got beat a length and three quarters behind a horse called Blackbeard of Aidan... O'Brien's, who's come out and won Group 3 and Group 2 races since. So obviously this fella can run. And Blackbeard was fourth in the Coventry behind Bradsell. And obviously being an Irish raider, he's going to get backed. And at the moment, if you can get on with Sky Bet, it's 6-1 to one with four places on offer of 50 odds. So well worth having a massive great big each way bet on this fella here. So that's Treasure Trove in the 4.45. Okay. Moving down to the last race on the card at York on Saturday, the 5.20. And one that I like here again is Injazati, I think it's called. Number four. Good for pronunciation and miss. Yeah, whatever his name is. (laughs) Amy Spencer takes the ride for Charlie Fellows. Now, Charlie Fellows is a trainer I've had a close eye on over the last four or five weeks. His stable is absolutely bubbling, but not quite banging the serious format you'd expect of a of a trainer hitting form. He just keeps producing winners out of it, like one in four or five races. And his stable looks like it's just going to open up and hit form at any time. Now, this fella is priced up at six to one. As I say, the stable's in form. Jamie Spencer on board. And again, a consistent horse. Seven races to date, three wins, three thirds and one fifth. And the time he come fifth, they tried him over 12 furlongs and he didn't stay it. So I think this is another one well worth having a nice each way bet on. Sky better paying five places on the race and he's priced up at six to one. So that's in Gisarty, number four, however you pronounce him in the last race there at York. <laughs> okay, Dave, thank you very much indeed. Let's hope there's some winners there, old no dog. Problem. That's what we want. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah. We'll have a few there and uh, we'll have a good day. Yeah, good. Okay, mate. Well thank you for that and we'll uh, we'll speak again next week.
Will do, mate. That's lovely. Cheers. Yeah, thanks, Dave. Speak to you soon, mate. Well, that was Dave Wilson from Harlequin Racing, and now we're going to catch up with Colin Brown, of course. Well, good morning, Colin. Good morning. How are you this morning? Good morning to you, Adrian. I'm very well, thank you. And you? I'm all right. It's the others, isn't it? I know what you mean. That's what everybody says, isn't it? It's the others. I mean, I'm not sure it is the others, is it? Well, I, I don't mean, know. is it the others? I'm not sure. Well, maybe the others aren't sure either. I don't quite know, but uh, we have to uh, we have to plod on, don't we? We you know against all adversity, we keep going. We have to keep pressing, as they say. Yeah, we have to keep pressing on. So, um, yeah. what what little gems have you got for us today? Then, where are we going? Well, I think you know we've got some good racing in the weekend, and we've had some quick happy. We saw Bade win. Uh, um, and that was absolutely terrific. Uh, yeah. What a horse is, and everybody, they're all trying to get him. Will he get the trip? Will he get the trip back on the ground? He, you know, he, he had an action like he didn't mind the fast ground. He had an action like he didn't mind winning the QE2 on soft ground. Um, he's got so much class and speed and, you know, stamina even now that um, I don't know why they bother writing about trying to get horses like him beaten, really, because... You know, he won like a proper horse, didn't he? Yeah, oh, definitely, yeah. Once he was asked, he was gone, wasn't he? He was gone, yeah. Well done to uh, well done to William Haggis. That, uh, oh, Jim. I love Jim Crowley, blooming good jockey, Jim. Yeah. So, well done to him. Well done to him, we say. Uh, right, where we start for some uh, Saturday? Let's start at the curve, if that's okay. Quickie uh -huh. and curve, the 345. I've had a, a little bit of a look at, and um, it looks quite promising racing there. Uh huh. Okay, we'll start at the curve then. I say promising racing. There's always good racing at the curve, isn't it, really? Um, it's always good racing at the curve because you've got horses like. Uh, Aidan O'Brien's and Jim Bolger and Jessica Harrington's, they sort of rather take over the the uh, racing in Ireland, if you like. But that's the way it is. That is the way it is. Um, 3.45. There's, uh, there's, a, there's a horse that's been winning at one at Royal Ascot called Meditate. If that wins, if that runs in the 3.45, that will win, I think. And that looks like one to put in your doubles and trebles on Saturday um, at the Curragh. Right, so Meditate looks uh, looks all set to win the Alpha Centauri debutante Philly Group 2 in the, the Curragh. She was a good winner at Royal Ascot, of course. And, um, you know, she's a pretty she's a pretty smart filly, this. Yeah, she won a, a big board called March. Uh, I think that was in the Albany Stakes, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, it was in the Albany Stakes, and that was pretty good form. So I would say she would win Meditate Aiden O'Brien's 45 at the Curra. Um Moving across from, from there to a place called Lingfield Park. <laughs> That's an excellent tip, Lingfield Park. And there's the Shannon horses are in good form. And he ran a horse that was just beaten at... Um, Chelmsford, the FA called Hurricane, called um, Chirumo, beat Hurricane, beaten by Hurricane Kiko. And this runs at uh, Lingfield in the 6.20. And I think it's good 
Chirumo oh. in the 6.20 at Lingfield. Right, OK, carry on. You've got to start, first of all, with the uh, the time of the race, and then we know where we're yes. going, don't we? Ah, uh, yeah, that's a good idea, I suppose, for listeners, isn't it, really? Right, it is, because you're all over the place there. Second guess where I am, that's the great thing, isn't it? Mm. That's easy. But, yeah. um, right, okay. Um, mm, here we go, right. I'm going to leave there, and um, we're going to go from Lingfield. We're going to go to York. And uh, great racing at York on Saturday. We've got the Melrose Handicap, a couple of group races there, and, of course, the Ebor Handicap. Some brilliant racing up there, really hard racing up there. But, um, again, really brilliant racing up there at York. Mm -hmm. um, and I think in the 150 at York, that number one, mighty, number seven, should I say, mighty Ulysses can win again. Um, Frankie rides it. It was second to Caribus or beaten three quarters of length by Caribus. Fifth, actually, at Royal Ascot in the St. James's Palace. That was a that was a very good run. Um, or was it the Queen Anne? No, it was the St. James's Palace. Um, and that was good form behind Caribus. And it runs here in the 150 at York. It's called Mighty Ulysses. Number seven, Frankie rides it for the Gosdens. Okay. Radio on to Oh, there's some good racing here. Now, there's a big improver, I think, running at York and the 225. I put it up a couple of times recently. It runs in the Melrose Handicap. That's at 225. And it's called Kois Chorister. Um, and it's horse. It's a horse that never stops improving. Just got up to win at Goodwood. Didn't have the brightest of runs, but it was on fast ground. It won before then at Epsom, twice at Epsom. And then it sorts it's a right improver, this one. It's gallant up the handicap. It's trained by a guy called David Menuzier, who does really well with his horses. And it's number number four. It's called Coice uh, Chorister. I might have got that wrong, but um, that is the name of it. Run the three-year-old handicap there. And I think it'll win number four from the 225 at York. Okay. Let's move to the City of York Handicap. And one, one or group two, should I say, one horse that's been really disappointing, I think, this year is a horse called... Um, run twice. There's a horse called um, Sacred. And it was fifth at Goodwood in the length. Race one early, really shaken up, couldn't really get through. Uh, that was over seven furlongs. And then it was, it was only beaten two lengths and two runs. Um, it, and I think it could win. It's called Sacred Number Eight in the clock at York. Okay, got it down. Good boy. Now, the Ebor handicaps at 335 up at York. And this is a hell of a race. I mean, this is always just such a hard race to win. Uh, you need so much luck in a race like this. I mean, oh gosh. 22 runners go to post. So you really do need a lot, a lot of um, of luck here. But as horse that's come over from um, from Ireland, rated 102, it's owned by J.P. McManus, Joseph O'Brien trains it. It's won three races out of its uh, 13 runs, and it's called Benor. 
and it runs in the Ebor. It's horse number 18 in the Ebor 335 there up at York. And um, I reckon you want to keep an eye on this one for a little bit of a gamble from the stable of uh, stable of um, Aidan O'Brien's. Or even Joseph O'Brien. Even Joseph O'Brien's. <laughs> 410 at York, listeners. Mary's getting these written down. Mary's a bit relieved now that real hot weather's disappeared and um, she, all she worries about is her plants and her dog or her daughter's dog, Jean's dog, looking after and then the plants getting you near know, roasted. And that's what we've all been doing. We're really worried about plants. Well, did you have that? Yeah, I, yeah. And Mary has. Have you worried about plants? Have you I haven't personally, plants? but my my dear wife has certainly been worried about plants. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay. Would you sort of sit there and sort of oh, you know, send the orders like another another can of water on those tomatoes, uh, two gallons of water on your potatoes because you like potatoes? Is that what you've been saying? Uh, something along those lines. Yeah, but she's very good. She's uh, very very conscientious in those sort of situations. So yeah, yeah. Definitely. Right, 4'10", your heritage handicap. Uh, I gave your listeners uh, this horse the other day called Tab Adid, didn't I? 12 to 1. Yeah. Got beat this short head by Comanche Falls in the Stewards Cup. I think it will win up at York in the 4'10 on Saturday. Okay. And then we're going to go to Sandown Park, because that's where I am, Sandown Park, mm -hmm. one of my favourite tracks. So I like Sandown. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we need to find a winner or two there. We've got a couple of quite decent races there. Last one being at 5.35. But um, uh, in the 2.05, the Lantercent at 2.05 is a race run over a mile. Oh, what wins it? Well, there's a few, <clears throat> a few I call out of horses in this, but there's a horse that's not had too, much, um, too many runs. Um, you're going to say you've got Roman Mist in it, aren't you? Well, Boards, hot to top racing. Yeah, indeed. Ran quite well beyond Oscula, and that's one since in Doville, so not without a chance, I don't think, Roman Mist from the Tom Ward yard. There also, I think, there's a horse called Laurel. It was very impressive when it won at Newmarket, won three lengths the other day. And I would say Laurel is horses got a lot of potential but i think yours the hot to trot room miss i think that has got a chance i see he had a winner yesterday as well so uh you know obviously the yards in form yeah yeah in good form, yeah, yeah. Good form um we have got some good we have got some good racing here man uh right in sweet salario state is uh or just a salario at 240 there's a few quite this horses running here um, and there's a couple that you could really fancy. Desert Hero is one of them from the Haggis Yard. One at Adelt by two and a half heads. I think that's a good shot. Um, and it's uh, owned by Her Majesty the Queen. So it'd be nice to see that win. Uh, the other horse I like in the race, the horse that went on the all weather last time called theme uh, called um silver knots before that it was fourth thoughts called Chaldean who won a group race at york on wednesday and to be honest i think that one can probably win so i'm going to go silver knots in the 240 sandown park for saturday okay sounds easy doesn't it they live in barbados all the time just 
yeah. a couple of months of the year. That's right. You know what I mean? It's all right. Easy mm. life. Now, I, I think Roger Varian can win the third race there at the 315 with a horse called Zain Al-Arab. Uh, it won at Salisbury as it liked and did the same at Chester on a trickier track. And I think it will follow up, follow up in the 315. Zain al is called at Sandman Park. And this is on Saturday. Okay. Um, right. Horses sometimes in my tracker that I keep thinking are going to win and then they never do. And I keep tracking them and losing money. So I'm not going to do that with Good Birthday in the 350, although I think it's got a bit of a chance. Uh, um, in the 350 at Sandy, but I ain't going to tip it up this time. Dan think keeps getting beaten. And becoming increasingly um, expensive to follow, Adrian. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I do, yeah, yeah. But that, well, that's what happens. But that is it for Sandown Park, and that is it, listeners, for Saturday's racing. I've no tip for you. I've given quite a few there. And I yeah. think, you know, out I think we'll have a few winners. Good. Well, thank you for that, Colin. Um, and we will, no doubt, catch up with you next week. Let's hope we catch up next week and give you more and more winners. And I'm sure you've got some stars and celebrities on your um, podcast and on your programme in the next few days. So um, we'll look forward to listening to that. Yeah, OK. Keep listening to Three Valleys Radio. That is the uh, phrase of the day. So thank you for that, Colin. Yeah. And we will catch up with you next week, mate. All right, old boy. Good to speak. Take care. Bye, listeners. Bye-bye. Well, there we go, listeners. That was Colin Brown. I'm sorry the line was so bad. We rely on our broadband services, and quite frankly, they are diabolical around here. But we do our best, and I hope you can hear everything that Colin says, and hopefully he's come up with a few winners for you. So that brings us to the end of this week's racing show. I hope there's been a lot of tips there for you that are going to come in over the weekend, and... Uh, Certainly the e-ball. You can Glenn there from Simon Holt now. And I wonder what he thinks about that one. 12 to 1 shot? You never know. You never know. But it's been quite a week with Baid winning at uh, York as well. So uh, it's been quite an enjoyable time for all us racing fans. So make sure you join us next week. Same time, same station. And we look forward to having you then. Bye for now.